great to see you again. Um, I'm just going to welcome up this morning. It's great to have Edwin with us. So let's welcome Edwin this morning. Bless you. Folks, thank you so much for that welcome. Really good to be with you uh, this morning. If you have a Bible, I want you to open it and go with me, please, to Galatians. Uh, We're going to read together from Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4, and we're going to read verses 4 through to 7 in a moment. Great to see you along this morning. What a beautiful morning, amen? It's really, really warm, and it's one of those mornings whenever uh, a preacher just, it's a delight to get your coat thrown off, and there's a real joy in that, and then there's a real sadness that you didn't work harder at the slim in, okay? Um, You know, that you just kept packing it in there, but it's great to be along to share. I want to thank the worship team for leading us so well this morning, and around the table, and Davey as well. Thank you for that. Let's read God's Word together. It's Father's Day, and I tell you, that relationship between a father and son or a father and daughter. Uh, It's one of the most significant, most important relationships. One of them. It has such potential for good in life. It has such potential uh, to do damage. But if you're a father here this morning, I hope you've been treated well back the other way. Did anybody get breakfast in bed this morning? No one. No one. Okay, kids and, 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 and other people, you really need to work at this a little bit, okay? Father's Day, really special day. But let's read a passage from God's Word around the subject I want us to pick up um, this morning. Galatians 4, and we're reading from verse 4, and it says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons or children, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Those are absolutely astounding words. And you know, throughout the Bible, The writers inspired by the Holy Spirit, they use many words, many illustrations and analogies to communicate to us as believers, those who have trusted the Lord, to communicate to us the wonderful thing that God has really done whenever he has saved us. And the Bible is full of words, pictures, terminology. You could call it the language of the church. And it's the language that we so often take on board when we become Christians and we begin to spend our time with Christians. But because we spend so much time around that language, the language of salvation, the language of the church, the language of our experience with God, the language of the family of God, sometimes it's possible after months or maybe years in the Christian experience that we can subconsciously begin to believe or get the idea planted in our mind that that we've heard just about everything there is to hear about our experience with God. We use the terminology and because it's planted in us, we can subconsciously begin to feel, oh, well, I've heard that before. And, And we get the feeling that there's nothing new that we need to hear in that. And it's sad whenever that happens. And when we come to a place like that in our Christian life, whether it be after months or or after years, what we really need is for God to come afresh by His Holy Spirit. And just quicken again the reality behind the terminology, folks. Because the church is not just about the language we use, it's about relationship with God. 
It's about an experience that you and I are meant to live in. The language simply draws us into that encounter, opens our heart to the reality of the walk that God really wants us to have. And thank God when we're in one of those places where we need God to come again, He's faithful, isn't He? He will always come and revive. He will always come and touch our hearts afresh and and stir us again. And when He does... Very often when God comes again in a moment of inspiration, a moment of revelation in a service, it could be at the table, it can be through the preaching of the word. And when God comes and touches us again, we just realize all over again that for all of our reading, for all of the preaching, the Bible studies, the seminars, the Bible weeks, the conferences that we have all gone to, that really at the bottom of it all, we understand so little of the wonder of this salvation. When God comes in a moment of inspiration and revelation, everything comes alive. Isn't that true? It's not just terminology we're using. It's not just motions that we're going through. It becomes a living reality that we are in relationship with God and God is with us. And how we need to live in that constant encounter with God and in that place where God is, and and, and I say it just the way it is, that God is repeatedly blowing us away with what he has done for us. When was the last time you said, you know, about some aspect of your salvation? You know, I just saw it afresh today and it really blew my mind where God has brought me to. Have you had those kind of experiences? See, we're meant to be in that place all the time because our God is amazing. Our God is unfathomable. There is no end to him and the salvation that he has brought us into and what he's doing in each and every one of us, I tell you, it is beyond our ability to really understand. It's beyond our ability. It's bigger than we can visualize or really encounter or really grasp. In fact, I I think it's probably impossible and it is impossible in this life for us to grasp the immensity of what God has done for you if you're a Christian this morning. It will take all of eternity to unpack all of that as we live in the reality of the wonder of where God has brought us from and what he has lifted us to in himself. But in our earthly journey, God uses his word, God speaks by his spirit through a multitude of ways to reveal to us the reality of the experience, the wonder of the experience, to deepen within us our understanding of what he has brought us into so that as we have already focused a little bit in our meeting this morning, so that walls could come down in our life. That God would draw us in a little deeper in our reality so that no matter where we may be at in any season of life, we might be able to live with a real joy. Because we may be facing that, but we are living in the reality that God is with us, that God is real. That we might begin to live in the peace of God, in the assurance of God, free from shame, free from guilt, living in the power of our relationship with God. And God wants to bring us into that constantly, here and now as we journey through. And so through the Bible, the Bible uses illustrations and terminologies and analogy to to give us pictures, to give us glimpses. This is what you have got. And one of those illustrations in the New Testament, and interestingly, it's only used by Paul, is this idea of adoption into the family of God. We read about it, Galatians 4, 7. Just read it, and you know, if we were just to unpack those verses alone this morning, time wouldn't permit us to do it. That Christ came, and his purpose was to redeem us, buy us back, 
from sin so that we would be adopted into his family. And as an assurance of that, God places his spirit to live within us. And we have become heirs of God. Amazing, amazing stuff. I want you to think of it this way for a moment. Just suppose someone came to your home and did something terrible to someone in your family. Some terrible crime perhaps was committed. Um, Maybe a life taken or some horrific thing takes place. And it's to someone in your family. And after you would go through a period of, of processing what you've just come through, you might, and we have seen people through the troubles in Ireland, come to a place where they're able to stand and publicly declare and say, I, I forgive that person. You might have to go through a process to get there, but something terrible happens in your family. You go through the process. You come to the place where you can say, I, I have, by the grace of God, found forgiveness in my heart for that person. That would be tremendous. That would be, a, would be great. But having forgiven them, how would you feel about them ha- then having them or you adopting them into your family to be a family member? Would that not take a whole different level of grace altogether? You might get to the place of forgiveness, but you say, eh, my door's closed. And you would take a whole new level to, to, to get you to that. Yet amazingly, this morning, that's what God has done for us adopted us into his family. It's not just about the fact that God says, I have forgiveness for you, your sins removed, but you stay at a distance. God immediately opens the door and brings us right into relationship with himself and right into the family. And what I want us to unpack a little bit this morning is that this adoption, I can guarantee you it is so much more than what you and I think adoption really means or what we understand by it. You see, Paul deals with this in Romans and in Ephesians and Galatians. And we need to set that into its context. I want you to come with me for a moment as we set a little bit of context to it. These believers that Paul was writing to, they were living in these large cities. They were living in in areas that were under Roman oppression and Roman dominion, the Roman Empire. It came with many benefits, the Roman Empire. But it came with an awful lot of immorality and a lot of fear and a lot of terror. It was like an iron fist, as it were, that came down on people. Paul's writing to citizens living in some of these cities and under the rule of Rome. And you need to understand that these believers were completely outnumbered in society and in the context in which they were living. Many of them, most of them, were from the lower classes. Many of them were slaves. They were marginalized in life in every way. And life, it it bears no resemblance to what we know of life today. You know, we complain about the, the things we have to live with. I tell you, our life is unbelievably comfortable compared to where first century believers lived. These believers lived with a life that was harsh, that was brutal, it was uncertain, And it was frightening on a daily basis. Do you know that the life expectancy of these people, these early church believers in these cities and through the Roman Empire was about 35 years. That was life expectancy at that time because life was harsh. And many of the people who were receiving these letters from Paul, they had nothing. They were nothing. 
They lived in daily fear for their life and their family. And then Paul comes along with this amazing message of the gospel. And Paul tells them, you know what? You have been adopted. You have been taken in. You have been accepted. You have been received. You have been loved by none other than the God of heaven himself. And what I'm trying to say this morning is that when you and I come to the subject of adoption from our modern world with our comforts, it may not impact us. But we need to set this great subject in the context in which Paul wrote about it. And life was brutal. And then he comes with this message that would have totally and completely blown these believers away. It would have completely and totally revolutionized their thinking. It would have just been almost impossible for them to take in. And it's little wonder that the early church was on fire. In our day, we hear this stuff and we go, oh yeah, very good. Folks, we're meant to be excited in the church. And I love the excitement of worship and I love the excitement of young people for whom all of this stuff is real and alive. And if we've moved on a year or two or we've moved on a decade, we need to be on our knees saying, God, make it alive in me again. Stir my heart again about the fact that you have lifted me out of sin and today I can lift my head because I'm in the family of God and I've been received by you. Holy Spirit, come. Break the walls down that we have built up around the fact that we think we understand so much. I tell you, God wants to come and turn our world over. And for these early believers, it just would have been revolutionary to get a message like that. He was saying to them and to us, you might not be that much accepted in society. He was saying to them, you might be marginalized. You might be the minority in this life. You might be overlooked. You might be oppressed by those around you, but you are not oppressed by God. Hallelujah. The God of heaven has set his favor upon you, has put his smile upon you. And it's so great to live in that, that place, to know that we are forgiven, that we are cleansed, that we are in Christ, and that God has now opened the door to us and welcomed us, not just to a place of forgiveness, but right into the family. That's amazing. And he is our heavenly father this morning. And no matter what concept we may have grown up with or understood of a relationship with a father, he's a good, good father. That's who he is this morning. He's the perfect father. And in this relationship, you and I can find healing in our lives, strength in our lives, hope in our lives as we walk in that reality with him. There's so many things about this adoption that we won't have time to go through them this morning, but let me mention some of them. You see, adoption, according to the New Testament, it brought, first of all, great privileges, if you're taking notes. It brought unbelievable privilege. Again, you need to understand that these people who received this gospel message, all that they, some of them had known was the pagan gods of Greece and of Rome. And to them, the concept of God or how they viewed God, God was cold, God was cruel, God was removed. The gods that they knew about, and there were plenty of them in the Roman world, they were gods who did not care about people. They had no concern. There was no affection. There was no love for people. As far as the gods, the pagan gods of, of Roman Greece were concerned, people were nobodies. But Paul comes along and he introduces Jehovah, the God who adopts nobodies. 
The God who actually opens wide the door and invites us into relationship. And, and this adoption for Paul, as he introduces it, it takes place right at the moment of salvation. And this would have been astounding for them to hear. And that's what Paul's saying to us this morning. That the moment that we were saved, this act of adoption took place. And I want to use two simple words this morning. We're in. Hallelujah. We're in. And here's the point. It happens at the moment of salvation. And we haven't even done any good works yet. It's not dependent even on how we perform. But right there at the moment of salvation, before we've smartened up, tidied up, or done anything like that, or before we've even had an, a second to change anything, God says, you're forgiven and you're in. And we're going to enlarge a little bit on that in a moment. But what he's saying to you is we're in and we're permanently in. We're not just in for an afternoon like we're on a visit somewhere and we're being well behaved and we're accepted in that environment for an afternoon. God says, no, you're in for all of eternity. And we ought to sing a bit about that. And we ought to shout about a bit about that when we're praising God. And it's not like we're in and we're on some kind of a guided tour. You know, have you ever been to an historic building where you pay a fee and you're going to get access to the building and then you go into the building, if you've ever had the experience, and you discover you're only getting access to half the building, okay? You won't go very far. And if you're like me, I have got into trouble a few times because you know the ropes and the, and the, and the closed doors. And I'm always thinking, but what's behind that door? I paid to get in here and I'm really, really inquisitive and I would love to know what's in there. But coming into the family of God, it's not like we're in, like we're on some kind of, of guided tour and there are many things that are off limits. No, the minute that we come into the family of God, I tell you, we're showing into the guest bedroom. Everything is open. It's, it's full access right across the board. We get the front door key and God says, your family. And I know for some people this morning, you say, maybe we're pushing this too far. No, this is New Testament adoption. Are we meant to strut around because of that and think we're something special? No. I tell you, that's meant to have a humbling effect, but at the same time, it's meant to fill us with confidence. I'm accepted. You're accepted in the beloved. You're in the family, and there's no restrictions. And we're not there simply to function as domestics or servants. We'll talk a bit about that as well, but what the Bible actually says is we're there as sons, and we're there as daughters. That's what Galatians tells us. And that's a whole different experience. And it's not like we're there as fee-paying visitors. But John 15 tells us we're valued friends. Jesus says, you are my friends. Imagine. Oh yes, there's, there's an aspect of service and we'll touch on that in a moment. But we're there as sons and we're there as daughters. It is a privileged relationship. And in the Roman world... Adoption was a big thing. And that's the idea of adoption that Paul brings to this here. See, when we think of adoption, we will often think of someone who has no father or mother being taken in and they're, they're offered provision, they're offered shelter, they're offered a measure of security. And that's tremendous. We have all of that as believers in the family of God. But the word adoption in the New Testament is much more than that. Listen to this. It was a legal term. 
And it actually meant, listen to this, to be placed in the family as an adult son or as an adult child. And that's the concept that Paul had. And it's the working of the Holy Spirit in us when we're placed in the family of God that a believing sinner is placed right into that family, listen, with all the rights, with all the privileges, with all the obligations as well, of an adult son within the family, on on an equal par with family members. It's as if when we are adopted, according to the Roman world, that we were literally born into the family and into the inheritance and into the privilege. And in a sense, as believers, that's exactly what has happened because we were born into the family at the new birth. But it's not this kind of at a distance, work your way through the ranks type thing. God says, no, the doors are open. You're accepted in the beloved. You're in the family of God. And you have the the rights, as it were, of an adult child within that family. Now, if you think that's me exaggerating, God presses this home by saying in verse 7 today that we are no longer slaves, but he says we are sons. And if we are a son, then listen to this, we are an heir of God. You have been written into the family inheritance. And I tell you, the inheritance is big, folks. The outlook's good, isn't it? Amen. In the Christian life, we may have our seasons, we may have our moments of difficulty, but the outlook is always good. Romans 8, Paul touches it again. And he says, if we are children, then we are heirs. Listen to this. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ because we're in union with him. And that's where we are this morning in the purposes of God. And it results in us being adopted, being able to call God our Father. Our Father. Verse 6, And because you're sons, God has put forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. In the pagan world of Paul's day, no one would ever have referred to God or the pagan gods as father. There was no love. There was no fatherly affection. There was no relationship between the gods and human being. So to these believers, this faith was absolutely revolutionary at every level. And I tell you, God wants us to live in that reality every day. There's never a moment when you and I are beyond his gaze. There's never a moment whenever you and I are beyond his care. And do remember also that Jews would never have referred to God as Father. They wouldn't have dared do that. But you know who did? Jesus. Jesus. And because you and I are in union with him, God has put the spirit of his son in our hearts. And we also cry out, Abba, Father. That means today, no matter what we may be going through, you and I don't have to book an appointment to talk to our Father. Praise God. You and I don't have to beg or grovel. We come in the name of Jesus and we are children beloved. We have access 24-7. And God says, I'm so close that I'm in you. And that's the role of the Spirit of God. That's why He has come to reveal to us The wonder of the relationship, the intimacy of the relationship, and that's for every child of God. I want to say to young people here today, how far do you want to go in exploring that relationship with your heavenly Father? How much do you want to press the door of access and press into God? And to all of us today, an encouragement to press into God afresh because he says, draw near to me 
and I will draw near unto you. So this adoption, first of all, it brought great privileges that were unknown in the Jewish Old Testament, that were totally unknown in the pagan world of Paul's day. It was a whole new revolutionary thing. The second thing, whenever in the Roman world someone was adopted, they were totally released from previous family connections. All claims upon them were completely severed. They owed no allegiance or debt to any previous family once the act of adoption had taken place. Now, whatever we think of that in our spiritual terms, we say praise God to that. That's no loss to us saying goodbye to the devil and to to our, our life being born in sin. But what we need to know that whenever you and I were adopted into the family of God, we owe him no allegiance. And we are not under his power in any way. Any claims he has upon our life were broken in Jesus' name. And yet many believers, we live with shame. Many believers, we live with guilt. We live with the the damage that life brought to us before salvation. And God's saying, come up higher. Come in closer because there's healing in Jesus' name. There's healing for broken hearts. There's healing for the damage that life has brought to us. But what Paul is saying to us in adoption, when he adopts the Roman principle of adoption and he applies it to the believer, what he's saying is the devil's power is broken in your life. Amen? Well, I don't know if that means much to you, but it means an awful lot to me. Because only I know the areas where the devil had the hold upon my life in some of his greatest ways. But I thank God this morning that through Jesus' name, his power is broken and you and I go free. Now you might say this morning, well, it doesn't feel like that to me. But what the Bible actually teaches is is that the power of our old nature, the power of sin, it has been broken in our lives. And you say, well, then how come I still yield to it in certain areas? You see, because we sometimes fall, the devil wants us not to believe the truth of Scripture. But what Scripture says is rewrite your life according to the truth. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Just because I stumble or just because I fall doesn't mean that sin's power still has hold. It just means I'm not living in the right place with God. But the reality is, according to the New Testament, that sin's power is broken. Didn't Wesley write it in his hymn? Didn't he say, he breaks the power of the canceled sin and he sets the prisoner free. And you and I are free this morning if we choose to live in that resurrection life. So we no longer this morning have to live as we did. We can live without bondage to sin. We can live free from fear, from guilt, from shame. We can live free of the fear of rejection or abandonment. We can live with hope, with security, with freedom. Because we are in Christ this morning and we've been adopted into the family. The devil's power is broken. Who was it who once said, God is our father, Jesus is our elder brother, and the devil's no relation. All right? That's literally what Paul's teaching. The old family has no claim upon us and we're free in Christ. Amen? And let's begin to explore that and live it in our lives. Thirdly, adopted people, whenever they went through this process of adoption in the Roman world, they were legally protected by that adoption. In other words, this adoption process that Paul was speaking about, and he applies it to the Christian life, it was permanent. 
Now, I don't know what your theology is, but Paul was saying it couldn't be undone. Believe it or not, in the Roman world, a born son could be disowned, but not an adopted one. That's not amazing. Because they were legally protected by the process of adoption. And I want to say this morning, I don't know where your theology sits, but when God adopted me, he took me on permanently. And believe it or not, he took you and I on permanently. He took us on permanently in our relationship with him eternally. And you need to know this morning that your relationship with God and my relationship with God, it's not probation. It's acceptance. That we are already in and God's not waiting in that sense to see how we perform. And some people in church and many Christians today, they need to hear that. God is not saying to us, you're in the family. Let's see how you do. But you, might, you better be mighty careful. You better be very, very careful how you live. That's not what salvation is. God's saying, you're in. Realize the wonder of it and live according to it. And that stirs my heart because it's a completely different process that we are already accepted. And that is the wonder of the Christian faith that takes it beyond every other faith anywhere on the planet. Because what Christian, many, many faiths will do is they will, we will be introduced to a faith. And when we're introduced to it, we will be instructed that now, live according to these outlines, try as hard as you can, and maybe one day, and it might even be when you stand before God, you will find out if you've been accepted or not. But you know what Christianity does? The total opposite. Jesus says, I am the door. And the moment that you and I accept him, we are in from the very instant of salvation. And God's not saying, now try really hard and you'll find out maybe too late that you haven't tried hard enough. He says, no, you're completely accepted. Now go and live like a child of God. Go and live in that freedom. Go and live with that inspiration. Go and live in that hope. Go and live every day of your life in that reality because you're accepted already in the beloved. And that's the wonder of Christianity. And he gives us immediately the Holy Spirit as the proof that we have been adopted, verses 4 and verse 6. And the Holy Spirit is the guarantee that we have been accepted and that what God has started in us, God's going to complete. Now that doesn't mean that we can go out and live any old way we like because you'll find that whenever we begin to drift away from God or we allow our heart to go cold, God's on our case because he is our father. It means that he will go after us in every situation. We need to understand, I'm not saying this morning that because we're accepted and we're adopted, then we can go and live any old way we please. The Bible teaches that we are free, but we're free to live for him. We're free to yield our lives to him and to, to go his way. It doesn't mean that we can go and do anything we please because you see, God accepts us at the moment of salvation just exactly as he finds us. He loves us and he accepts us as he finds us, but he loves us too much to leave us that way. But the point is, he still gives us the full acceptance right at the start and says, I'm committing to you. Now come with me on this journey. There's a world of difference to live your life with that understanding than to live your life thinking that God's waiting every moment to throw you out of the family. Folks, we're in 
The work is completed. The blood has been shed. Jesus said it's finished. And he fills us with this assurance that we've been adopted. We have been placed in the family. And he says, now, go and live with confidence. Does it mean that we won't have hard times? It certainly doesn't mean that. Does it mean that we will always get it right? No, but it means that God is faithfully committed to us and he's faithful all the way to the very end. Amen? And he's going to journey with us and he's going to shape us and he's going to mold us and he's going to teach us many things, but he will get the job done. Hallelujah. And he has covenanted to do that and he has placed the Holy Spirit within us. Another thing about this adoption, fourth thing, and then we're going to come with two little things and draw this to a close. This adoption that God brings to us, it's motivated by love, not by reward or service. You see, in the Roman world, very often people adopted someone as an heir if they needed a worker or if they needed a servant. Or sometimes they would adopt someone into the family if they needed someone to attend to their funeral. Um, or to carry on the family name. So the adopting parent did it for benefit. You know, they, they adopted someone so that the funeral would be well carried out. Whenever I go, I don't really care what they do with what's left behind. But that was the thinking in the Roman world. If there was no one to, to take care of this, sometimes someone would be adopted in. And the purpose was for benefit. They were adopted because of what they could give. We need to understand in the Christian life that God works differently. We'll talk a little moment about, about servanthood. And it's true that, that God gives us work to do. But that's not why God has adopted us. The truth is this morning, folks, God doesn't need us. You say, well, then how would everything get done? How would the world be reached? Surely we've heard preaching that says God needs us. No, God invites us to partner with him. But God could do it a thousand other ways. Believe me, he's the God who is unlimited. And God doesn't save you and me for what he can get out of us. He saves us because he loves us. He saves us because he is the perfect heavenly father. And what I'm trying to stress this morning that he doesn't need us. He could do without us. God could do all that's going on a lot better than we could ever do it. But God graciously allows us to partner with, it, with him and be involved in his work. But that is not why he adopts us. He adopts us primarily for relationship. And you need to hear that. God has brought you into his family primarily for relationship. So you're saying, well, then what are you, are you saying, pastor, we don't have to work for God? No, God gives us things to do. He gives us gifting, talents, ability. There's a work to do for God and God will use us in all of those things. But that's not why he saved us. And the church has got it all the wrong way around. Because there are many believers saved by grace, but they're working to stay in the kingdom. And they think that's the whole purpose of this whole thing that's going on, that they should work for God. The whole purpose is that you would deepen your relationship with God. That you would explore the unfathomable. That you would experience more and more and more and more of Him in your walk with Him. And then service flows out of the relationship. But the service doesn't come first. We need to understand that when God adopted us into his family, he wasn't recruiting workers. 
He was expanding the family. Hallelujah. And the primary thing is relationship, but we have very often reversed it. We will serve God. And I have seen people serve God at, at, at even at great sacrifice because they felt that that was how they stayed in the kingdom, that that was what pleased God. And they served God with sacrifice, but didn't deepen their personal relationship with Him. And I want to ask this morning, how is your personal relationship with God? Is there time spent with God? Because that's really what it's about. That's really where it's at. Yes, there's loads of work to be done, and God will, will call us to that as well. But God says, my son or my daughter, give me your heart. Would you admit to me this morning that it's possible to serve and not fully love? Not so true. It's possible to serve and not give our heart. Does it ever trouble us? It often troubles me how cold my heart can be. That we can be caught up with a thousand other things. And we've lost sight even of what this table represents. That he died for me. That the Bible says Christ loved me and gave himself for me. Folks, that ought to stir our hearts. It ought to deepen our devotion. And God's inviting us into relationship. And all ministry and all service is meant to flow out of that deepening relationship. And when it does, service is completely different. Because it flows out of a place of love. So what we need to understand this morning is that we are first and foremost sons and daughters adopted into the family. And we need to let that sink in because it's true and it's real. And I fear that very often in the church we have never really grasped the fact that he chose us. He says, you didn't choose me. It may have looked that way. You know the old saying about... We often say, I found Jesus, and someone said it one night, and someone shouted out, Jesus was never lost, all right? We didn't choose him. It may have appeared that way, but I can tell you, he chose us. And he chose us for relationship. And the primary thing that God's calling us to is to deepen that relationship. Like the story of the wee boy in school and... The little boy was in school and he had been adopted and he was getting a bit of a hard time for it. Have you ever known that children can be absolutely brutal in those contexts? And the little boy was getting a lot of teasing and he was getting a lot of abuse thrown at him because of the fact that he had been adopted. And then one day, just out of the blue, he got the perfect answer and they were giving him a bit of a rough time and he turned and he said to them, I've been thinking about this. And he says, you know what? He says, when you were born... He said, your parents had to take what they got. <coughs> My parents chose me. And that's the Christian life. God chose me. God chose you. And he loves you. And he wants you to make a success of it and live in the fullness of his blessing. And in the fullness of being a part of the family of God and all that that means. Because we're chosen... And we're accepted in the beloved. Last little point, And we'll just hit it and leave it there. And I'm going to ask the worship team then in a moment to come and just lead us again. Come on ahead, guys. Feel free. God, through adoption, gives us access to all the resources and the security that's available to us. The children of God accepted into the family of God. We need to know that all the resources of heaven 
are at our disposal. And that means as you and I go through life, God will always make a way. And that God's purposes cannot be thwarted. God will get the job done in my life and in your life. We need to understand that when we're accepted into the family, that the resources of heaven are at our back. And no matter what you are called to face personally in life, in your family, or in the season of life that you may be going through, no matter what you are called to face, it doesn't mean there won't sometimes be difficult situations, but God says this, my grace will be sufficient. Are you worried about what tomorrow holds? Are you worried about what maybe the doctor spoke over your life this week? Sometimes things can be spoken over our life and it, it can leave us reeling. But I tell you, God is sufficient in every situation. I have seen situations where God has healed, but I've seen other situations where maybe the Lord took someone home, but they went out with grace and they went out with victory because God gave them a grace that was sufficient. And God has committed himself to you. And he says, I will never leave you or forsake you. He delights to pour into our life his provision. He delights to surprise us. Can I plead with you this morning and say to you, when was the last time God surprised you? When was the last time he answered a prayer in a surprising way? Because if he hasn't, you need to deepen the relationship because he's the God who's alive this morning. He's the God who's active in his church. He's the God who's working in the lives of his children. And if we press into him, God will do astounding things. He will speak to us in unusual places. He will lead us in unexpected ways. And he will break into our lives at times whenever we're not expecting it in ways that we never even dreamed were possible because he is unlimited. Hallelujah. And the resources of heaven are behind you as a child of God. Because Paul introduces this great theme of adoption. And he says you're in. Yes, there's service involved. Yes, we're called to holy living. But the primary thing is relationship. And when we attend to the relationship, when we attend to the relationship, when we seek first the kingdom of God, when we shut out the world and we draw close to God and we attend to the relationship, everything else will take care of itself and God will lead and God will direct. Let's bow our heads before him. Father's Day. And I tell you, God wants to teach us all over again the depth and the wonder of the relationship he has brought us into. That we are accepted in Christ, in the family of God, that his provision is there, that he waits constantly to hear our voice in praise, in prayer, in seeking him. And we don't have to beg for his attention. I tell you, when your heart lifts, the Father's ear is open to our cry. Father, I pray this morning that the reality of adoption, this, this picture, this illustration which you use in your word, which is so much more than we understand it to be in the 21st century. I pray, come Holy Spirit, 
Come, Holy Spirit, and quicken the reality of it in our hearts and lives again. Quicken the reality of what it means to be adopted, to be in, to be accepted in the family of God. Quicken it in every heart, I pray, in this room this morning. Lord, and cause us to lift our voices in praise. Lord, cause us to live our life with confidence and in hope, knowing the peace of God and knowing that God is with us constantly as we journey. Lord, there may be people facing particular things this morning. Personal things in health, in finance, in family. Issues, Lord, that maybe no one knows about. Oh, Lord, will you just come and grant your peace this morning? Lord, you're the God who's the way maker. Make a way, Lord, for individuals where to them it seems there's no way. Because, Lord, you are more than able and you are worthy, worthy to be praised. Bless your name. Lord, let the reality of this relationship settle upon our hearts this morning as we worship you. If you've been touched in some ways, let's lift our voices. Let's just begin to thank the Lord.